2: Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times.
3: And I'm Greg Katz. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today in the world's only rock and roll talk show, Jim, we are getting the shovels out. Some people think that we get the shovel out every week, but this
2: week <laughs> we're digging for those buried treasures. These are records that you haven't heard, we haven't talked
3: about, flown under the radar. You need to hear them. You're listening to Sound Opinions.
2: bit of Super Chunk, the first part. Greg, we have another affiliate to welcome when we uh, add new stations. Thank you. Yes, thank yes, you, yes, thank yes. You, yes. Thank you. When we add stations, we like to uh, play a little bit of music from their hometown and Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I mean, what is better than Super Chunk? Mighty Mac. long-running heroes of the American indie underground and Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's the home of Merge Records, My Money, one of the most inventive, uh, original, independent labels in America today. And WUNC, North Carolina
3: Public Radio, is airing our show. One of the great music towns in America, and we're glad to be part of it now. Professor,
1: what's another word?
4: my treasure and I'm a burying them where no one will know where they're at but me.
2: Greg, we're here in the uh, the middle of January. It's the slow season for record releases. It's picking up again in a couple of weeks. We've got a bunch of new, uh, much-anticipated 2007 releases to review. But right now, it's time to do one of our favorite shows. We like to catch up on records that, that haven't gotten any attention on our show so far. Maybe we wrote about them in the newspaper. Maybe we didn't. They've just been flying under the radar. They've been
3: buried in pop culture consciousness, and people need to hear them. Absolutely. In our world, there are too many great records, and often not enough yes. time to get to all of them. We could do this show 24-7, couldn't we? Absolutely. I mean, we have a stacks of records in front of us right now. We've got even more at home that we wanted to bring in and play on this show. We literally could do this show every day of the week for the next two weeks and not run out of great records And play. instead, I
2: have to review <laughs> the touring production of High School Musical for the newspaper. There's a downside to this job, but I'm not complaining. Today's for good music.
3: Absolutely. And we fight about a lot of things on this show, including who gets to go first. Yes. So the only way to settle this is with a coin flip. I've got a coin here with Meatloaf on one side, Springsteen on on the other a reference to one of our immortal (laughs) arguments and ongoing (laughs) so
2: meatloaf is a better springsteen than springsteen in my opinion call it in the air jim i'm calling i'm calling the loaf it's the loaf all right meatloaf wins I know, I see, I'm finally, I've t- been telling you that forever, except not the new Bad Out of Hell 3, right, so real So Jim, drug. you
3: got to come out scrapping, you've got to come out with something big, man, something, a, I, something meatloaf-sized worthy here. I
2: am, I'm coming out with something good, this is, uh, actually, my wife turned me onto this, Carmel turned me on to the Album Leaf, and I've uh, fallen in love with them. The Album Leaf is, is essentially a one-man band, the guy's name is Jimmy Lavalle, and he's from San Diego, uh, or just outside of San Diego, California. Interesting connection, though, to Reykjavik. Because uh, I think most indie rock fans first became aware of Lavalle and the album Leaf through the connection to Sigur the Icelandic ambient swirl psychedelic band that, you know, is is fairly popular. I mean, they played here at the Opera House when they were in Chicago last time. And he toured as an opening act for them, and he still goes over to Iceland to make his recordings. He records for Sub Pop, not your grandfather's Sub Pop anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a lot of different sounds coming out, and the label's still doing great work. The third album that he's done for them, La is Into the Blue again. The fanzine and underground blogosphere kind of uh, diss this record, and I don't understand why. They've been fond of him. He He, he does these kind of great ambient soundscapes that are a lot like Sigur Ros or Cocteau Twins if you go back a couple of years swirling and ethereal and trippy and spacey, but he's a songwriter so there's real melody there and good vocals if understated and very kind of trancy. I think this record he pushed forward his songwriting even a little more and as a result some of the electronic fans, uh, the fans of the moody soundscapes felt betrayed. However, I think this guy just gets better and better and better and then I saw him live and boy did he blow me away, to see them duplicate this ambient swirl, and then also to get the songs and the melodies. I I think you'll hear what I'm talking about with the tune I'm going to play. It's the second track on this album, Into the Blue Again. came out in the middle of last year. It's called Always For You, and uh, I'm a sucker for it. Here it is on Sound Opinions. Gorgeous stuff. That's a song called Always For You from, I believe it's the third sub-pop album by the album Leaf, Into The Blue Again. Buried Treasure, I'm saying his name is Lavalle. I'm figuring uh, that that's It's L-A-V-A-L-L-E. Mm-hmm. It could be Lavelle. I don't know. But it's so buried. I've never heard him <laughs> pronounced on the radio, and he should be.
3: There you go. I hope I pronounced it correctly. Here's a name that needs to be said a lot more on the radio, too, and their songs played a lot more on the radio, and that's the Paybacks. Uh, Detroit Quartet out with their third record called Love, Not Reason. Jim, you and I have talked about Detroit a lot in the the last few years of Sound Opinions, uh, mainly because it's so influential in what's going on in rock music today. There's a lot of bands from Detroit, a lot of bands that want to sound like they're from Detroit. Most famous of all, the White Stripes are out there selling lots of records with that mixture of garage rock and soul. Uh, that stretches all the way back to that late 60s, early 70s era at the Grande Ballroom when bands like the MC5 and the Stooges and Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels, uh, Bob Seger, were playing there and mixing those two elements, the garage rock and the soul. The Motown and the punk. Absolutely. I think the best band out of Detroit right now is not the White Stripes. Thank you very much. I love the band, but I think the paybacks are even better. And I think one of the reasons that they are better is that they've got an amazingly taut, propulsive rhythm section Great guitar player in this band, but also the lead vocalist, I think, puts them a cut above. Uh, Wendy Case is a fireball. She brings the nitro and the glycerin to every party, Mm. and explosions go off when she opens her mouth. Also a terrific songwriter. I think the songwriting tends to get underrated when the sound is this big and this propulsive. I mean, they get dance floors moving, but I think there's some depth to the music as well. The songwriting in this band sort of revolves around that theme, Love Not Reason. It's a quote from Thomas Mann, the famous author. It's about as high and mighty and literate as this band will get. It is Love Not Reason that is stronger than death. And the Mm. rest of the songs are just punches to the gut, uh, sort of revolving around that theme. Eleven songs. I don't think there's a weak one in the bunch. The third record called Love Not Reason. Here's one of the best songs on the record, though, and it's called Stranger in the House from The Paybacks on Sound Opinions. (laughs) ¶¶ is the paybacks love not reason we are running down buried treasures uh, records that jim and i feel have been overlooked in the last few months but need to see the light of day need to get more airplay jim what's next on your list Well, Greg, the rest of the night's
2: going to be ladies' night for me, (laughs) even if you're hearing this in the middle of the day. And uh, that was a pretty good introduction with the paybacks. Uh, It just so happens that uh, the other records on the top of my pile that I'm most excited about and I think have been most chronically overlooked, starting with us. We've never talked about any of these, uh, are all fronted by women. One includes The Gossip, and this album's actually been out for a year now at this point. It's called Standing in the Way of Control. And I guess it's becoming a little less buried because The Gossip, a trio from Portland, Oregon – uh, has some famous friends uh, I guess they formed up in olympia washington that that ever fertile, vibrant indie rock scene, and they're based in Portland now. Famous friends like Sleater Kinney and La Tigra, who did a remix of the title track of this uh, album for them. Sonic Youth has taken them out on tour. In November 2006, the front woman, who I'm going to talk about, was named the coolest person of the year by the New Musical Express. (laughs) The Brits love them. But for my money in America, they're still not well-known enough. The Gossip is doing this thing, early 80s, new wave Dance punk. Now, that sounds being done by a lot of people these days, most of them from Brooklyn with Silly (laughs) Fauxhawks. They tend to do the big, bombastic version. The gossip reminds me of a band like The Normal. Remember they had that hit with Warm Leatherette? Sure, yeah. Daniel Miller went on to start Mute Records, in that there's almost no music in the music. It's all very pared down. Mm -hmm. This is a guitar, drums, and vocal trio you know, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of space. It's all about the space, which I think makes it very, very sexy. The other thing that makes it very sexy is Beth Ditto. What a front woman. Yeah, she's great. She reminds me of the front woman of Romeo Void, or Polystyrene from Mm -hmm. X-Ray Specs. Zofdig, kind of shy looking, (laughs) doesn't look like she's going to do anything, then gets up on stage and claims it as her own. Not a conventional beauty, but boy, is she full of personality, and the music is infused with it, and this song, which is a, a political tune, or is it? You know, standing in the way of control it can be either about the men in your life who are are trying to push you one way or the government they've kind of put out both of those messages you know the kind of post 9-11 government intrusion I, I like that their songs can be read on these different levels I like what they're doing I think they're a great band and shame on us for not playing them until now but here's the gossip title track of their last album standing in the way of control you Ditto and her fellow members of the gossip
3: up from the Northwest standing in the way of control. What a great band. Love them too, Jim. And uh, you're right. We should have done that record six months ago instead of uh, <laughs> in this show. But instead hey, I'm glad about, we got to instead it.
2: Instead of talking about Janet Jackson's last. <laughs> exactly. Then, I that's like a
3: public a... service, though. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> we were trying to tell people to save their money. Yeah, here's the here's the word. Avoid the Janet Jackson. Buy the gossip. There That's you the go. message you should take away from this show. More buried treasures on sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media when we come back. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Greg Cott and I are digging deep for buried treasures that we haven't talked about on the show. You probably haven't heard, and your life will be better if you do. That's one of them. Polyphonic Spree put out an EP a couple of months ago. It's called Wait. So-called because we're waiting for their third album, (laughs) which is due in a couple of months. I don't feel as bad about missing the Polyphonic Spree record, although... Sound Opinions has been big fans. they performed on the show. They're a great group. Uh, Orchestral Pop from Texas. Tim DeLauter leading that band. What a character, that kind of gospel robe, uh, (laughs) 30-member group. What a a trip. Two originals on this little EP and two covers. One is Love My Way by the, (laughs) the Psychedelic Furs, and the other is Lithium by Nirvana, neither of which you would expect this group to cover, but they did, produced by, Greg, one of your favorites, Mr. John Bryan. Really? who also was on yeah, our, uh, very cool. our show last year. So there's a little extra pick from me. But it is your turn to give us a full-fledged Berry Treasure.
3: Well, I want to hear a Polyphonic Spree album. Hopefully we'll get that in 2007. Meanwhile, I have really been digging this new album by the Memory Band out of England called Apron Strings. The Memory Band is essentially a British folk rock supergroup put together by an electronic artist named Stephen Cracknell. Cracknell, I think, kind of thinks... What would 19th century folk songs have sounded like if they had laptops back then? (laughs) Because this guy creates a lot of music on his laptop. He's, he's, as I said, an electronic artist primarily. But he's put together kind of this supergroup of really fine traditional instrumentalists and kind of created a new sound on it, really a fresh take on that whole new folk movement. I uh, will not use the term freak folk, except only in derision. I, I think that's kind of a, a red herring that's been thrown out there to lump a bunch of bands who don't really sound alike into a movement. Well, I, don't, um, I don't know. We got to both have a record here on our stacks yeah. that, that may
2: fit that later, maybe but that's, 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 that's a for little later. Bit,
3: maybe that's a little bit better. But the memory band really is updating, to my mind, what uh, Fairport Convention was doing in the late 60s. In other words, taking these traditional ballads, mainly because they're attracted to the songwriting. The themes are timeless. Love death, sex, drunkenness, a redemption. These these themes are timeless. Taking these songs and then infusing them with a contemporary sound. In the case of Fairport, it was uh, progressive rock. Were, there mm-hmm. were elements of progressive rock, long guitar solos by Richard Thompson. With the memory band, there are definitely electronic elements in the music. They're lo- using loops and com- computers to enhance these original folk songs. So it's a combination of Cracknell's original songs And traditional ballads. And the one I'm going to focus on is a traditional ballad called I Wish, I Wish. It's been around for centuries. Essentially, it is a song sung from the perspective of a woman who says, I would prefer to be dead Mm. or lonely all my life rather than be ordinary. I'd rather be a lonely old maid rather than just an ordinary housewife. Uh, you know, and it's kind of, and it's kind of a, a cool uptake on the whole feminist tradition that still sounds very fresh and very contemporary today. The key to the song, though, is an amazing violin solo in the middle of the song by one Jenny Mae Logan that I think really cracks the song wide open and it's that part of the song that I really want to focus on. It's like an eight or nine minute track. A lot of the songs on this record do ex- <laughs> do extend a little bit. They do have that jammy quality about them, but very focused songwriting as well. It's I Wish, I Wish from the Memory Band on Sound Opinions.
5: When my
1: apron strings low, would follow me.
3: That is the memory band with a song called I Wish I Wish from one of my buried treasures an album called Apron Strings Uh, Jenny Mee Logan with the fiddle solo amazing fiddle solo nicely contrasted by the deadpan almost childlike voice of Nancy Wallace on that song and I love that record very Sandy Denny
2: very Fairport Convention you're right you know, I think I can I can match that with a different feel from a different place. Wild Carnation is a band that I've been waiting 12 years for their second album. <laughs> First one came out, Tricycle it was called, and it's been a 12-year wait. I'm waiting even longer for the band that initially made me care about this whole circle of musicians, the Feelies. Now, I think it's been probably 6 months since I've mentioned their name on the show, so I'm clear I grew up in Jersey. This was one of my godhead bands. They formed my vision of music. And the Feelies had many offshoots, if you recall, in the early 80s. The, the kind of upside-down, inside-out, guitar-driven rhythms they were doing, the crazy rhythms, as their first album was called, it wasn't enough. You know, there, there were also the Tripes, which did the kind of orchestral pop version of that, and the Willies, which was the ambient instrumental version, and Young Woo, which is when Dave Weckerman got to sing. Well, Wild Carnation is Brenda Souter, who was the bass player ...on all the Feelys albums except for the first one, and she was great. She had a voice that was like Maureen Tucker's, kind of understated, childlike, beautiful, simple. A lot of people would say, you know, she can't really sing... But there's something effective there that really pulls you in. And a great bass player. With her husband, Richard Barnes, and a great drummer, Chris O'Donovan, who's been kicking around a lot of cool Jersey bands for some time, uh, they formed Wild Carnation. Now they've added a, uh, you know, it took them 12 years, but they've added a fourth member, a uh, Farfisa organ player, Greg. I think you'll like it. I love that. And they made this record produced by James Mastro, who was uh, one of the bongos. Mm-hmm. And I hear that they may be reuniting too. So maybe a feelies reunion will happen someday. <laughs> it's got that feelies rhythm, it's got that inside out backbeat where you don't expect it undertow thing, the songs fade up the songs fade down, you get the sense that they never end. They're little pieces of an iceberg that they're just chipping off and that's one of the beautiful things about what they do. It's one of those albums that's so good I was torn about about what to play I couldn't decide. It's called Superbus. I guess I, I'm going to change my mind and go with the first track, The Road to Yellowfield. This is Wild Carnations on Sound Opinions
1: sleep last night. Coffee's slow. We've got a long, long way to go before the next place we should be. Morning sun. Dancing on the sea is fun. Traffic's fine. And above there is a song that tells the place where we'll soon be.
2: Carnation, Next best thing to a Feelys album or a new Speed the Plow album from that wonderful scene in
3: Halden, New Jersey. You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Greg Cott. He is Jim DeRogatis. And, Jim, that was an, uh, an excellent choice. Disappointing that it took him 12 years to make the follow-up record to a very fine uh, debut. They don't move quickly out <laughs>
2: there. And, you know, the whole Feelys crowd, they never did. There was that thing for years where they would only play on holiday weekends. Yeah. Memorial Day at Maxwell's <laughs> or Labor Day, and then they would not play for the rest
3: of the year. Right, right. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind
2: of it's part of their charm.
3: Well, good things come to those who wait, and uh, we've got another fine record from those th- that Jersey band, which I thought was uh, was terrific twelve years ago. Um, I'm going to go to Toronto, which uh, again another one of the hotbeds of, of rock and roll. If you believe the, the hype in the last couple of years, a new band out of Toronto called the Tokyo Police Club. They are not from Tokyo. They have nothing to do with the police, and I don't think these guys are old enough to get into most clubs. But they made a very very good seven song sixteen minute EP called A Lesson in Crime. They're too young. They don't. They don't have a whole lot to say yet. But the way they say it is really impressive. They know when to get in and when to get out. Uh, most of these songs are about two two and a half minutes long. Terrifically intricate guitar lines without any solos over an over caffeinated rhythm section. A singer. Who has a little bit of a strokes Julian Casablanca's fixation hmm. it's not a bad thing you know he has got that sort of uh, cool veneer, and then all of a sudden he just snaps and all of a sudden you're <laughs> you know you're in another place. I think there's a lot of potential here for a, for a terrific full length album if these guys ever start taking themselves seriously, I think it's going to be a wrong thing, a wrong direction for these guys, but for now they're just in love with the forward motion that sort of buzzcocks let's drive as fast as we can pushing this melody as hard as we can and then get out and get get it over with. Terrific 7 song 16 minute EP as I said, here's one of the best cuts. Nature of the Experiment from Tokyo Police Club on Sound Opinions. <laughs> Uh, nature of the experiment from Tokyo Police Club. You're listening to sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Greg Cott. He is Jim Girigatis Jim will be back with another buried treasure pick. And for the time being, you're listening to a little bit more of Tokyo Police Club a song called Cheer It On. Back in a minute. When you're
1: standing-
3: Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. Jim Deere and myself, Greg Cott, we are running down the buried treasures of the last few weeks, the records that are under the mainstream radar, but we think you need to know more about. Uh, I don't, that's I don't, what don't think I. whatever you just played there, I don't think that qualifies. You don't, you don't uh, think... Not it, for me. I'm not... Well, you're, you, you heard 30 seconds and you already decided it's not for you, right? Yeah. Uh, Benji <laughs> Ferree is the name... And that's a track called Leaving the Nest. If you give it a little more chance, you recognize that there's sort of that British rock dandyism in there. A little bit of Ray Davies, a little bit of that early T-Rex Mark Bolin sound in there. I think it's a, a quirky pop record that really doesn't sound like anything out there at the moment. The guy was discovered in a Washington, D.C. bar by Brendan Canty, of Fugazi. It's one of those Mm -hmm. little backstories. And Canty encouraged uh, Fareed to, you know, start recording his music. And uh, lo and behold, he ended up getting a record deal with Domino Records, which is the the home of Franz Ferdinand, Sons and Daughters, and Clinic, among other big-time bands in the last uh, couple of years. So, Jim, even though you may not like my buried treasure, (laughs) I do... Uh, And I'm handing
2: off the shovel to you. I got a good one for you, Greg. Somebody I've been eager to talk about for some time on the show. Imogene Heap, or Imogen Heap. (laughs) Uh, What a piece of work she is. Really kind of broke big last year, although it's been a decade in the making. Her debut album came out late 90s, had her shot at an American major label. They completely uh, misguided her career, dropped the ball. She languished for some time trying to get free of them, did this other record with a buddy, Guy Sigsworth, uh, as a duo, Fru Fru, and that song wound up on the Garden State soundtrack, which has made a lot of stars, including The Shins. Now, finally, in 2005, she released a second proper solo album, Speak for Yourself, and it took... At least you know, 15 months for it to really build. Every time she would come through America, she'd play to larger audiences, going up from 300 to 800 to the last time I saw her here in Chicago, Riviera Theater was sold out, mm-hmm. become a huge cult heroine by mixing a little bit of Kate Bush – Laurie Anderson in terms of the one-woman electronic show Because Imogen really does everything herself She's playing keyboards and has these sample loops going uh, Live she'll sometimes bring other musicians in But it's really a one-woman show Uh, A little that Brian Eno swirling ambient thing That I love so much And a lot of attitude Really inspiring women to to just go gaga over her They know every word And they're singing along And they're dressing like Imogen It's, It's this really kind of burgeoning phenomenon And I can't say she doesn't deserve it it gets a little sticky sometimes in the, the live show, but the record I think really holds up from beginning to end. Speak for yourself. Good night and go is a lot of people's favorite song. Although personally, I'm Gaga over the songs where she uses the vocoder, but they don't give it very good because you know it's the electronic synthesizer treating her voice. So we might as well hear what she really sounds like. You'll hear what I'm saying with the Kate Bush, Imogen Heap on Sound Opinions.
6: Skipping beats, blushing cheese. Every time Why'd you have to be so
2: Night and Go from Imogen Heap's 2005 album, Speak for Yourself. Been building for a long time, finally taking off. Uh, Heard on a lot of soundtracks last year. CSI, Six Feet Under, The O.C. She's becoming a star, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what her next album is like in 2007.
3: Interesting artist. I think I'm going to go one better on you, though. Yeah. Uh, Here's an artist who's uh, perhaps more famous for the band that she's in, or the bands, than she is as a solo act. But I think her solo record, her solo debut... Knives Don't Have Your Back is really an impressive showcase for her songwriting. I'm talking about Emily Haynes, lead singer in the Toronto band Metric, also in the band Broken Social Scene, which Mm. is kind of an art punk collective. But Haynes is a terrific piano player and a, a beautiful ballad voice singer, which you wouldn't know from listening to those two bands. In her solo debut, Knives Don't Have Your Back... It's really back to that original place where the, that, that solitude, where a lot of these songs start. And it's a beautiful album, appointed with uh, really subtle orchestrations, both electronic and symphonic. Liner notes by Robert Wyatt, one of our heroes, mm. the uh, founder of The Soft Machine, uh, was a longtime family friend. Emily Haynes' dad, Paul Haynes, is a, uh, a famed jazz poet who has collaborated with people like Robert Wyatt. And uh, his influence is all over this record. Here's the lead track from uh, Knives Don't Have Your Back by Emily Haynes. It's uh, called Our Hell on Sound Opinions. Our Hell, the uh, leadoff track from Emily Haynes' solo debut record, Knives Don't Have Your Back. Emily Haynes showing a different side of her that you wouldn't uh, know from her uh, metric performances, which are just all over the place, and in this record, much more introspective. And it's a cool change of pace, I thought. I'm going to be
2: running to, uh, to the record store to buy a copy of that. I am. That's what this whole show is about. We flipped a coin at the beginning of the show. We each got our picks. We have a little bit of time left. Here's a joint one. It was on my stack. It was on your stack. Inexplicable why we didn't get to talk about it yet, but I'm glad we're catching up with it. Espers is a group from Philadelphia. You scoffed at the term freak folk earlier. You you think it's kind of funny and limiting. I I think it's an ideal. I want to see bands (laughs) living up to the idea. I want to see really freaky folk music I guess th- that's the problem you
3: know? it's not freaky enough no it hasn't been freaky yeah. enough
2: no not not like the incredible string band no. that I played a while back as a desert island jukebox pick Espers 2 which is actually this Philadelphia group's third album yeah. this is freaky enough coming yes. out on Chicago's uber indie we're way too cool for you <laughs> Drag City label uh,
3: I have no idea how they hooked up with this group but man do I love this record it's a very cool record, and you're absolutely right. It's got that sort of hippie folk uh, mysticism, the witches and warlocks kind of vocals, that yeah. gypsy violin all the way through it. A lot of extended tracks on this record. They yeah. do, They do like to stretch it out, but again... I think the arrangements are note perfect. I don't think there's any wasted notes on this record. No, no, and part of it is this kind of mystical New Age uplifting
2: and you know, it could be an orgy they're having in the woods <laughs> or it could be a human sacrifice. You're not quite sure, and you're a little, you're, you're drawn to it, but you're threatened by it. There's it's, some uh, kind of
3: pagan ritual going on here, ooh, and, I, and yeah. I love the mix of instruments, too. I mean, we're talking about singing bowls from Tibet, you know, yeah. doombacks, dulcimers, sleigh bells, gongs, you know. Everything. No, they, <laughs> they, they
2: list even the effects on here, SpaceX. Echo, Echo Echoplex, they know we use the Big Muff, but only the
3: Russian version. I mean, they're cool. This is a great band. Uh, Let's give you a taste of some of this stuff, because I think it really does take you somewhere. A track called Children of Stone, uh, which (laughs) runs uh, close to nine minutes, but uh, just wonderful stuff. Uh, Multi-part type of suites that really take you on a journey. And the entire record is really like this. I mean, listen to these song titles. Moon Occults the Sun, Dead King. Mansfield and Cyclops. I mean, you just know these guys. Widow's weed. These are are trippy characters, and this is a trippy album. Here is uh, Children of Stone from Espers, Espers 2 on Sound Opinions.
2: I'm getting in that special place (laughs) right now I want to run naked through the woods I wish there were some in Chicago (laughs)
1: Sparrows please
2: Espers from Espers 2 their third album a little bit of the song called Children of Stone I want to hear more but what do we have next week coming up Greg
3: well, next week, Jim, we are going to be donning our stethoscopes once again. The rock doctors are back in the house. We're going to be aiding an ailing listener who needs some new music in her life. That'll be next week, along with a review of the new album by The Shins. Got some thank yous to say on the way out. As always, Sound Opinions is
2: edited and produced by our crack team of Todd Bachman, Matt Spiegel, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn we get some legal assistance from Dino Armiros. We love the folks at American Public Media for bringing us nationwide and Tori Southside Malatia is our executive producer. Many people want to bury him, but according to us he is a treasure. <laughs>
3: On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 1-888-859-1800.
6: Call me, don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but you call me. Tell me
0: and I'll be around.
7: To get messages, press 2.
0: New messages.
7: Sound Opinions. Hello, this is Scott Newman from Minneapolis, and... Um, I'm calling because a while ago, you had your uh, turkeys of the year, and one of the turkeys that you included was Tool's 10,000 Days, and I've just got to disagree with you on that. I don't think it's their best album. i tended tend to like Enema a lot better, and Lateralis, um, quite a bit better, but um, it's by no means a turkey. I think uh, it may be self-indulgent at times, but it contains, I think, some of their best music, including the big suite that forms the center of it, the 10,000 days um, two-parter. And I think it's appropriate that it's as long as it is. It starts out um, very trance-like, but it builds to a a ferocious climax. I think it really has some profound lyrics about the death of um, his mother and passage into heaven. So uh, I think that's quite good, and I think it's doing a disservice to it to give it a trashing um, as a turkey. wanted to point that out uh, also. I think on that same show, you gave a little bit of a um, slam to Soundgarden uh, as a whole, not just for any particular work, but um, kind of dismissed them wholeheartedly, and I didn't think that was appropriate either. They're not my favorite band, but they're also um, by no means bad. I think they had some great albums especially in Super Unknown and Bad Motor Fingers, though. shame on you. They're not bad at all, they're not turkeys, and um, I have to disagree. Still, I'll keep on listening. Thank you very much.
1: Hey,
4: right. this is Sean Clark from Brooklyn, New York, and this is My sound Opinion. I think that the advent of digital music downloading is leading to the death of the album. I think we're going back to a singles-based music economy, and it's interesting to see how that's affecting artists and the industry at large. It's really interesting to see artists like Beck and Bare Naked Ladies trying to do something different with their audience, making individual tracks available for download so that their audience can remix them. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. Thanks very much.
7: To listen, press zero.
4: Greg and Jim, hello, this is Bo Bress in Chicago. Love the show. My feedback concerns editing or the lack thereof. Jim mentioned a few weeks ago that the new Tom Waits album was in desperate need of an editor, and I completely agree. Some vision of There's just too many tracks on the three discs for anyone to absorb. Uh, it seems that that has become a trend or the norm on many records. Every album, it seems, has 15 tracks on it. And most artists just don't have 15 good songs in them at once. Even your uh, current favorites. Art Brute uh, are guilty of that. That's a terrific record and it's a lot of fun but at 15 songs it starts to wear out it's welcome. Um, try it. It's a lot more fun to edit it down to the 10 best um, and listen to it that way. It's a lot tighter. So, uh, that's my feedback. Cheers. Thanks. Bye.
2: give us your opinion on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, one 859 We'll be back next week with Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.